This podcast was recorded for the Sound Environment Show on Radio Galari. Radio Galari is a community radio station based in the Kimberley, Western Australia. For more information, go to www.galari.com. Welcome, Ruth Morgan, to Sound Environment here on Radio Galari. Your book, Running Out, Water in Western Australia, is an environmental history. I think we can say that water is important to us all, but what's so unique about Western Australia's water history in particular? several um, factors to, to think about with, with WA and so many of our Australian histories of water are really based around the Murray-Darling Basin, around the southeast of the country, and which is obviously important in and of itself. But Western Australian water histories are a little bit different, um, not least because we don't have those major river systems that they have um, with the Murray-Darling or, or with the Great Artesian Basin even. So we have a slightly different different relationship with water, one that's perhaps a lot more anxious than on the east coast of the continent where there's, there's just seems to be a lot more of it. Whereas in the west, particularly in the southwest, if we look from Geraldton down to Esperance, the rivers are pretty short. We don't certainly don't have the enormous floods that the north of the of the country gets. So I think there's a, a much greater fear of running out of water. And then to compound that that fear is the fact that in the southwest, from Geraldton to Esperance again is where Australia is really seeing climate change at work, where there has been a really um, quite significant decline in rainfall since the 1970s. So that's adding challenges. It's the most populated part of the state. So there are all these issues that really find expression when it comes to thinking about water. I guess we in Western Australia get used to thinking of water as something that's uh, under the ground as well as mm-hmm. what you can see above ground. And then there's this this fear you mentioned about running out of water. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Is this a fear that Western Australians have had for a, a long time or is it um, has it only been since we've started to see the impacts of climate change and the drying southwest? Yeah. I, I, I suppose when I started the project, I did... I did think it was much a much more recent phenomenon where um, perhaps we could date it from the from the rise of the environment movement after the Second World War, where we're much more concerned about our resource use, and then we see the beginnings of some kind of climate change in the in the southwest. But I think we can actually trace it almost right back to um, 1829 with the first European um, colonists setting setting foot on the shores here in at, well in the Swan River Colony at least, in this sense that. It wasn't what they had been promised. There weren't these fertile lands that were fit for for, for widespread agricultural settlement. And in fact, uh, was, was that the um the, the PR version that they were oh, <laughs> coming to green was, pastures? They were very much uh, sold um, sold a furphy there and uh, led very much astray. There oh was dear! What was described as Swan River mania, and what they found was just a whole lot of sand. And so they were terribly mm-hmm. disappointed, and it was a really hard start, I suppose, to those first uh, colonists um, who were setting up on, on, the, on the banks of the Swan River and, and encountering a, an environment they had just not prepared themselves for. And they had just had not anticipated the long, dry summers. And I think that's something we continue to struggle with, in, um, particularly in, in Perth and in, in Perth suburbs, where there's this expectation of green, lush gardens that people hold on to. And when they can't fulfill that vision, it seems to, something seems to be terribly wrong. And, it, and throughout the 19th century and then even more so, I think, in the 20th century, as we've become to much more reliant on um, a, a lot more water to sustain our lifestyles. We've mm-hmm. just become, I think, always fearful that there just isn't enough, particularly to sustain economic development. And that's when we've 
particularly we see at the turn of the 20th century with um, the Kalgoorlie pipeline to to basically ensure the state's prosperity the forest government decides to pipe water to the edge of the desert, basically. And mm-hmm. so we see other water dreamers try and invoke that dream. And most recently, um, the great-great-nephew of John Forrest, Andrew Twiggy Forrest, suggesting that perhaps there would be ways to drought-proof the Northwest as well. So it's quite um, interesting that these sorts of episodes and ideas kind of seem to recur in different ways, of course, but I think they linger in, in the Western Australian mindset in particular ways. I suppose that water seems like an an easily manipulatable commodity. It is something that you can literally pipe from, you know, from from A to B, and so mm. it does sort of inspire these sorts of thoughts of, you know, why don't we just um, move it around? We'll drought proof exactly. this area, that kind of thing. But you're right, uh, the expectation, uh, you know, of of green lawns all all year round throughout summer is almost completely at odds with our climate and the Mm. natural weather cycles. So, Ruth Morgan, as you were writing this book, do you have any particular uh, dory that you came across that really sticks out to you that encapsulates, I don't know, I guess, WA and water? One of the sort of extreme stories, uh, which which I just love retelling is is from the 1970s when under the uh, state committee of the CSIRO there were very uh, thorough investigations into importing an iceberg from Antarctica to moor it off the Fremantle coast and then pipe <laughs> water into the into the southwest. It's just extraordinary to think about. It was funded by a Saudi Arabian sheikh, and they were so interested oh, in what it could hold. So it's just this extraordinary story that you sort of thought, how could but it is truly incredible. Exactly. So there's some there's some really interesting things out there, but it just suggested to me the sort of extremes that people have thought about going to. I mean, even in two, in the year 2000, desalinated desalinated water supplies weren't even considered to be um, feasible. And I think just six years later, Perth had a, a desalinated water supply coming in. So it's amazing how uh, ideas of what is possible and and implausible do change pretty quickly. Mm. And I know that in Perth, we're just starting to trial um, managed aquifer recharge with treated wastewater, which is um, also a new development. So, you know, it's interesting mm. to see how these things do move over time. And and it's been introduced with very little controversy, which is quite interesting when you um, have a look at um, efforts to introduce recycled wastewater into other water supplies. There has been a lot of um, concern and protest, and I think um, it's quite remarkable that Western Australia hasn't seen that kind of backlash. Maybe we can just say we're an innovative bunch over here and willing to <laughs> embrace new things. I think there's a high degree of trust, perhaps, and um, in in the Water Corporation and other um, agencies that look after our water supply. So that's mm. quite it's quite interesting. Ruth Morgan, I believe your book is mostly focused on the southwest, but what about up here in the Kimberley? Is there, a, I guess, a parallel water history, and what do you see in the future? I think it's fascinating uh, the sort of um, and it's it's largely, um, I think, owing to the different environments of the south, um, west, and the northwest of, of the state that there's a entirely, seemingly a different culture up north, and and it seems to be that the southwest, or at least Western Australian governments, have seen the northwest as this sort of magic pudding that can provide for the south, whether it's minerals <laughs> or whether it's water, and this has 
keeps coming up. And one of the earliest plans I came across to pipe water from the northwest was from the 1970s. And it was very much to provide water for Kalgoorlie and down to Perth as well to keep those industries going. So it's concerning, though, because the water's up there for a reason. It's serving ecological and cultural purposes. It's not always... um, the rivers up north are not always flooded and providing all this enormous amount of water. But we, Not actually we, a very so, small portion of the year, really. Yeah, exactly. So it's not the the wonder stroke, the miracle that, that a lot of people seem to think it is. And it's also not only ecologically costly, but economically costly to pipe water um, that far south. The interesting thing, I think, um, to consider in the northwest, and that has been the management of groundwater, the management of um, water supplies more generally in terms of pollution and contamination. And with, I think there is sometimes it's easy to have that sense of because we can't see the groundwater, then it's not a not such an issue that we need to be concerned of concerned with. But it does it does run low, and it's not this. Um, infinite resource that can just be tapped and tapped and not ever exhausted. So I think we need to learn lessons from the Great Artesian Basin's experience um, when it comes to the groundwater resources that are up north, um, just as just as much as looking after the river systems up there, because it's not only ecologically important, but culturally important to, to that region, to the peoples that have lived there for thousands of years. So it's um, a matter of concern that it's not it's got to be appreciated and, and cared for what it is. It's not just an, another resource to be tapped from the northwest and, and taken for granted. Ruth, that was really that was really fascinating, and thank you so much for telling us about your book, Running Out, Water in Western Australia. Thanks for your support, Kat. Thanks for listening.